You're listening to And So I Followed an Alternative Religion podcast with Graham McMillan Mason. Episode 8, Owen Seth. Hello and welcome back to episode 8 of And So I Followed an Alternative Religion podcast. Thanks as always for coming back uh, once more and, and listening or if it's your first time sweet awesome thank you as well this episode is with Owen Seth who I will give you a little bit more information about in just a moment as you know I like to prattle on a little bit at the beginning of each podcast and let you know how I felt the last episode went and anything that's up and coming with the label Burnt Church Press so before I begin, um, I suppose I'll thank everyone for tuning into the last podcast, which I, I don't want to sound biased here or big the last podcast up more than any others because all my guests have been amazing to chat to and, and really lovely to get along with. But when it comes to Macon Blair, I actually think it's probably my favourite, um, mainly because I'm such a huge film fan and I've never really met an actor that I've looked up to and, and been inspired by that much in my life. I've never really met an actor necessarily, to be honest, or an actress. Um, so it was amazing to have like an hour of his time to just talk about being a actor who has just sort of burst onto the scene, but been around for a long, long time. Because normally you can get people who are like on the start of their journey or they're at the end of their journey and have stuff to speak about. He's like dot on right at the start, but still has a story of what he did in the past, like, and the struggle he had to get there and the kind of joy and doors it opens when you have a film like Blue Ruin. Um, I, I really enjoyed chatting to him and the feedback I've had is that people really enjoyed it as well. He was an absolutely killer guy to speak to and I wish him absolutely every success in the future. And I'd love to have him back at some point, if I'm honest with you. Um, also, aside from that, I do have a few events this week on the Burnt Church uh, Press label. As you know, this podcast done under that label as well. Talking of films, I run a film night, which some of you will probably be aware of. We have it once a month at the Flying Duck. And this month we have the monstrous, awesome film, probably of our generation or my generation, Tina Fey's Mean Girls alongside Cruel Intentions, which is also another film that was seminal in my generation and in my growing up. It's got more interest than any film that we've ever had, like the most interest we've personally had, and I'm talking sort of Facebook event interest or, or goings, or you know you know the, the way it works, has been about 200. This one's already got 600. Um, it's on Thursday this time. We normally have it on a Wednesday, you know, but I thought... On Wednesdays we wear pink. I thought on Thursday maybe we'd wear pink if you get the in-joke there. Um, but yeah, it's on Thursday the 25th of May, which is this Thursday. We have like 600 people interested in coming legally with health and safety. We can only fit in about 120. So please, if you want to come, if you're looking forward to it and you want to support the film night, come down early because I genuinely, for the first time ever, can't guarantee you a seat. Um, it's going to be a struggle to get everyone in, but I'll certainly try my best to keep everyone in within my means. Um, 
in regards to other events as well literally a few days later which is the 31st of May I have Throw Me Off The Bridge from uh, Laval in France my friend Quentin is doing a show Quentin's also in a band called Birds and Row who you may know of from the Death Wish, Death Wish sorry, records label um, but Throw Me Off The Bridge is, is, is quiet well it's not that quiet it's a quiet more ambient folky punk project um, and I'm delighted to have him on and I'm even more delighted to have some proper talented Glasgow acts to back him up as well uh, we've got Lovers Turn To Monsters which is Kyle Wood's band and that's going to be full band as well not acoustic on the flip side we've got Atlas Empire um, who are going to be doing a stripped down acoustic set which I don't think they've ever done before I certainly haven't seen it and we're also going to have a really good up and young coming band from Glasgow called Crashes who I've seen a couple of times and I think uh, really have like an against me vibe about themselves but the lineup's cracking and I'm so pleased to say that I can take Glasgow local bands and fully believe that they can stand up to a band like Throw Me Off The Bridge and, and add to what's going to be an amazing night that's the kind of talent we have but that kind of talent does need support um, forget about me and the support I need I'll enjoy myself anyway but these bands need people to come down and see them because they need that level of support and anyone who knows me or anyone who has an understanding of what I do I know support is paramount in so many different ways but um, I don't want to go on too much just come down to both events like enjoy your night what else are you going to do on a Thursday and a I think it's a Monday Tuesday possibly a Tuesday the 31st of May it is anyway 31st of May for Throw Me Off The Bridge 25th of May for Mean Girls and we've got other stuff coming in the future as well back on to this week's podcast we've got like I say Owen Seth uh, those of you who don't know Owen he's he's a friend of a friend of a friend like we have tons of mutual friends but we've never actually met like we have now but obviously by the podcast um, but at the time of the podcast when it was being recorded we'd never officially met I think we'd been in the same room together but I actually took in some of his books I took in Abattoir which is I think you know wasn't well certainly wasn't his first book um, I took in that book and, and really really enjoyed what he'd wrote um, and it was nice to see someone from back home he's from my hometown of uh, Sunderland which we talk about a lot in the podcast it was nice to see someone who's that local to me actually doing something which wasn't just being in a band or, or wasn't uh, I've seen people being in bands and it's it's no put down to people from Sunderland who've been in bands I, I've done it so I can't physically put that down or possibly put that down but I've never seen anyone go out and write a book I've never seen anyone want to be an author um, and Owen's succeeding in it really well he is self-published yes but I think in a world like this you don't need to have a record label to make music and promote it you don't need to be publicized um, greatly by, by anything because you have social media and you have your own voice and your own voices as loud as it's ever been with the world of the 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 internet shall we say lost my words there um with the internet being as important as it is and yes that has downsides but in terms of creativity best thing you can ever have um you can really put yourself out there and really be the owner of your own success almost um depending on the work you put in and, and i really feel like owen has so we talk an awful lot about where we're from there's probably a lot of um 
self-infested conversation from my side because he's from the same city that I'm from and we have a similar upbringing and if you're not from Sunderland or you're not from the northeast um without bigging the conversation up from my side too much I hope that you do enjoy us talking about a city we're incredibly proud to be from um and how that molded his writing most importantly though uh, how it molded the way he is as a person, how it molds the way that he showcases his stuff. There's so much stuff in that city and, and the places where you're from that can mold the things you create. And I think it's really testament to Owen's uh, writing um, that he does put where he's from into it in his own little way. And I think he's, I think he's an incredibly talented guy. And you know, today he's actually put on Amazon for free his first book, which is Soup. I'd fully recommend you go and reading it. As I said, I, I actually went on to um, Abattoir first, and I'm, I'm probably going backwards, but I think when it comes to any level of creativity from an artist, you're probably better going from the start, so you can see that progression and how they've grown and how they've got bigger and better and, and sort of honed their craft. And I think Owen himself admits that he's starting to hone his craft and he's starting to understand how he wants to be as a writer. And as a creative person myself I suppose I like to create stuff um feeling comfortable in the art you're creating is the best thing ever it's it's not about adulation from other people it's feeling comfortable in your own creativity and it was nice to catch Owen when he feels like that's where he's at because it's I think that's the first part of the hill you climb on creativity before you start publishing and producing even if you prefer your, your best stuff and I think the best is most definitely yet to come with them Owen before I do start the podcast, you know I normally play something by the person I'm interviewing, but it's really difficult for me to do that with an author because it would effectively me just be reading out his book, um, <laughs> and I don't think anyone wants to hear that, um, and he doesn't have any audiobooks as yet. So what I'm going to do on the theme of the Northeast and, and creativity in the Northeast, I've just signed a band onto my label, which is Burnt Church Press. Um, you can buy their debut EP on cassette, limited edition cassette at burntchurchaltpress.bigcartel.com. It's a band called Lost On Me um, with my friend Martin Downingen, incredibly talented guy, incredibly humble, someone who's uh, had a lot of success already in the music industry. I mean, the guy supported Human League uh, with his last band and, and toured with bands like Gallows and things like that. It's it's absolutely nuts what he's done, but he's a very humble guy. Um, but his new band is, in my opinion, the best thing that he's personally ever done um far and wide far and wide um it's a song called balance which is my personal favorite i don't think it's his um but i really wanted to showcase what the northeast has what my home city has um and lost on me and indeed owen himself i think are testament to what the northeast northeast can create um and that level of creativity never dies in, in any city um especially in glasgow and very much so in newcastle sunderland middlesbrough the whole of the northeast has such a level of creativity and i'm um, i'm really excited to showcase it in first and foremost balance by lost on me which i'm going to play in just a sec and also the conversation with own i really hope you enjoy the podcast as always you can subscribe on itunes just search alternative religion tends to pop up or you can listen on soundcloud if you're not an apple user or you hate apple that's soundcloud.com cfar podcast i'll play lost on me and then we'll get straight into the conversation cool see you in a bit 
Hey Owen, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Yes, I'm not too bad, mate. Um, I normally, like we were saying to you before, just before we recorded there, um, normally we don't really do introductions, so for the listener at home, uh, introduce yourself in as many or as little words as you can. Yeah, um, my name's Owen Seth. I'm a 30-year-old uh, wannabe writer from uh, the northeast, from Sunderland originally. I now reside in Tidemouth. Um I work full-time, um, like most people do, unfortunately, but uh, I, find, I find quite a lot of, you know, solace. I find a lot of um, enjoyment in just writing about everything that I see and everything that I feel, and hopefully, you know, people like it. Yeah, I mean, how long have you been doing it for? Um, well, I ooh, I originally started, um, it was a six-form piece, um, mm-hmm. and go all the way back to quite far like um when i went to school my english teacher was really passionate which really helped yeah it always um, does and i yeah. found my my natural um academic strengths lay with with english literature and obviously after reading lots and lots of different things we had um the machine gunners things like that, the usual sort of um stuff they give you and after that it was more so um we were inspired to do a few creative pieces but it was more like analytical work you, you know you know what the school yeah. system's like oh for sure yeah. And um, when I was when I went to sixth form, I took English literature and language together, and um, I just I went to New York uh, with my parents um, for like five day holiday. I was seventeen, far too young to be drinking, so I didn't get that <laughs> side of it. I got the tourist side, like the hats yeah. and the statue <laughs> of the fucking form hat and shit. Yeah. Um, I came back and I was just like, you know, like I got tra- well, we got a writing um, assignment to do. And I was like, well, I'll just do a bit of travel writing. I'll write about, you know, New York, my experience. And, like, there was a part when we were on a bus, open-top tour, and uh, we turned the corner, and, like, that's where the uh, World Trade Center used to be. But they didn't really, like, um, tell you about it. It just sort of happened. Yeah. And I thought it was quite powerful, and I thought, well, I can use that and sort of take um, quite a lot from that. And um, straight after sixth form, I went to Sri Lanka for a year and just, like, taught English and... Um, had a bit of a gap year, um, but um, I actually like won something through um, through my sixth form, which my mom had to collect um, in well to do with that actual travel piece. And after that, I, when I went to uni, I studied English and art history, and I kind of just put that to one side. Mm-hmm. I'll just do the analytical side, and um, I never sort of touched upon it again. And um, it, it, it's kind of the weirdest sort of introduction to writing it's a bit of like um looking at an idol on the tv screen I, a friend of mine let me um californication have you ever seen that i, I, I haven't seen it but i know what it is like I, I know what it is but there's so much stuff on tv like i know what it is and haven't seen it it's kind of embarrassing to be honest man no and it's um uh, it, it, it it scoots under the radar quite a lot a lot of people have heard of it but i've never watched it but as soon as they watch it they're like it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen it's david Duchovny, right yeah, yeah, and uh, the part was just made for him. Like, uh, it's, he, he sort of fits the the character way better than he did as uh, um, Mulder. Or was, it, was it more Fox Mulder, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Don't ask me. Ask my wife. But uh, she's out right <laughs> partying right now, so I, I can't really answer that. I think so. Yeah, because Scully was. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, it's Mulder and Scully. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We got it right. It's fine. It's okay. No, no embarrassing moments. We got it right. No. <laughs> well, um, so she she lent me this, and uh, I was. Um, I was a single, I'd moved out to uh, Colour Courts, living a bit of a bachelor life, working, and um, I was watching it, and I was like, oh, this guy's pretty cool, he's funny, he's a wannabe writer, well, he, sorry, he is a writer, 
Um, but he, he's, he's trying to make things uh, make things well in his life. Everything's falling apart. And it was just, just an interesting sort of character study. And then uh, about a week later, I was at work, and it was, um, you know, one of those weird sort of April. We've just had yeah. one, one of those weird April sort of hailstorm events. Aye, yeah. Um, I was walking along at work, and I was I, I work at Newcastle University, mm-hmm. and um, I just started hailstorms, so I thought, you yeah, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. Mm-hmm. So I, just, I ducked into one of the buildings, which was the English building, mm-hmm. and I sort of walked through the corridors just, you know, just to give myself time to dry off. And um, it was over the Easter break, but there was, um, I saw um, Margaret Atkinson, um, sort of head of creative writing on a door, and I just thought, well, I popped in and just spoke to us, says, look, I've got a degree, um, I'm interested in writing. It, it just sort of came to us on the moment, I, before that I hadn't thought about it, and I popped in and spoke to her, and um, just told her my credentials, and she was like, yeah, cool, um, if you work for the uni, you're entitled to discount on your course fees. So I just sort of wrote um, a little short story, sent that in, um, done the application, and went on to the MA, and that was in 2012. And uh, it just kind of spiralled from there. I just sort of found my feet and just, just kept writing, really. Yeah, I mean, so, like, I remember um, kind of going on my, my own... My, my own kind of story, I suppose, I, I, I do poetry, but it took me a long time to get there, and I think it, my poetry got disguised an awful lot as uh, as lyrics, effectively, uh, back in, you know, when everyone was in a band, and I think when I was, like, it's funny, you mentioned about your, your English teacher being really passionate, and um, I had a really passionate English teacher and a really passionate history teacher as well, and I think it's no coincidence that I'm kind of really into my World War Two, which is, funnily enough, we'll come on to that later, I'm sure, with, uh, with Amazon yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, but... Um, I, I was also a really big fan of uh, like uh, like love poetry. It was kind of weird. Like it's it's no real surprise. I kind of grew up to be a, a massive emo kid. Um, truth be told, but um, like, was there anything like like how how old were you before like a book really took effect on you? For me, it was like love poetry when I was like fourteen. But th- there's always a book that makes you go. I kind of like reading, but it must have been different for you because you, you didn't just kind of do the, I want to read books. You went on to the, I want to write books. And obviously there's a, a story, there's a time frame behind that. But what's like the first memory of the first book you picked up that you didn't really want to put down? And how did that develop you? Well, I mean, to be honest, um, I'm probably going all the way back to like reception or year one. <laughs> um, with, like I say, I mean, um, you know, everyone's got their own academic strengths. And mine happened to be English and I picked up reading really quickly. And, you know, my parents were really good with um, getting me to read things from an early age. And uh, it was like a book called Kathy and Mark. It was like, you know, dead, dead simple stuff for like five, six year olds. But there was always a series of them and I kind of just went straight through them all and was like way ahead and ever since then really I can say like you know I've always loved reading and I've loved stories and but um if we're talking about sort of a more um recent sort of time Mm. I would say um I mean to be honest when I was at uni a lot of the books that were uh, prescribed so to say um I enjoyed but I didn't really fall in love with Mm -hmm. I think it's when I I went out when when I came out of academics and I had the chance to pick up books and just discover, you know, a whole new world as to what people think you should be taught. Mm-hmm. And, um, I picked up um, Bukowski. I was in Blackwell's bookstore um, next to Newcastle University, and I walked in, and I was just looking around, and I seen uh, Charles Bukowski's um, post office. Yeah. I just thought it paid here. I was feeling flush. 
And I thought, well, you know, I'll spend it eight pound <laughs> a book. Took it home and like read it. I mean, it's quite short, but it's more of a novella, really. I read it in like probably about four hours, and then I just got addicted to him. Then I went on to likes Hunter S. Thompson, mm-hmm. John Fante, his son Dan Fante. Um, you know, I, I quite like the gritty realism side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, I've 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 obviously got like quite a lot of time for Raymond Chandler. Quite, a, you know, there was sort of um, a huge influence there with Abattoir, especially, and. Um, you know, it's just, I'm constantly looking for something new to read, and I think um, a lot of, I don't think there's anything around at the moment that sort of stands up to those quali- sort of that quality of books from sort of oh, yeah. Hunter S. Thompson's era, then Bukowski's, and you know, you go far, as far back as Hemingway, things like that. There's, there's nothing around today that stands up to that. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling at the minute, to be honest. I feel like I'm re- rereading things a lot. Yeah. It's kind of like, I suppose it's, it's similar to music. Like, I I always end up going back to the bands I discovered when I was, like, 17, 18, and just, I sometimes feel like there's new stuff there, but not as much as there was when I was young. And I think it's the same with books. I, um, I when I was young, it's funny, we, we I think we were, because I'm the same age as you, I'm, I'm 30, I'm, like, 31 this yeah. year, so we, we literally are the, the same age, and we're both from the same place, both from Sunderland. So, yeah, yeah. Um, funnily enough, I, I remember, like, there was a period in my life when I was like 17, 18, which is probably just past the kind of age when you're thinking of developing what you're going to do. Um, when I kind of really got into uh, uh, Douglas Copeland. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also feel like there was a big generation, like an hour generation, really got into stuff like, you know, Chuck Palahniuk, that sort of stuff. Um, did you ever find inspiration in that? You just mentioned, obviously, about the realism. Um, and I, I found a lot of the stuff that I liked about... Palinuk stuff was it was kind of almost like realist it was r- real in a kind of fantasy world at the same time though it was kind of weird in the sense that it would never happen the stories he kind of had but there was always a possibility that it could happen do you know what I mean yeah yeah um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of Chuck Palinuk I've, uh, I've read Choke uh, Fight Club um, the names just escaped me for a minute but the collection of short stories with some pretty gruesome um, oh, um... Pool, pool suction action ah Ah, the have, name. You read, have you read so, that one? Excuse me, I have, but many, many a year ago because I was given Palinuk first, and then someone gave me Girlfriend in a Coma um, by Douglas right. Copeland, and then that kind of grabbed me, and I kind of gravitated away, and then someone gave me Choke, and I, I remember finding Choke so much better than Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think I think probably watching the film spoiled it as well. Yeah. Um, as as it tends to do, like ninety nine percent of the time. But um, no, no, I, I definitely think um, you're hundred percent right. You know, there's uh, there's still there's still sort of um, an element of that around. But um, I don't know. Um, I, I, I was sort of when I when I talk about literature, my friends and um, people that want to know about what I'm writing and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to I try not to sound like a, a literary snob or anything because you know I'll, I'll read anything that's put in front of us and then I'll make my decision. I won't just make a snap decision based on a book cover or a title or a genre. Yeah, of course. But um, to be honest, I think I think those sort of dirty realist roots might um, sort of hit home with a lot of people these days because mm-hmm. um, you know trends are changing. Thing, you know, it's like the, especially in the literary and uh, creative worlds, it's, it's very cyclical, and um, it's a case of I think something like that could, if there was a, if there was a new breakthrough in that, I think it could, it could quite take off, and I think people could 
sort of, you know, like really um, familiarise themselves with it and relate to it. And, um, you know, the, the younger generation so much. Um, I mean, that's probably why I'm hitting for quite short novels and short mm-hmm. installments because I think people don't have the attention span anymore, you know? No, you've got like, you've got the internet at your hands all of the time, says the guy who's trying to promote a podcast here. But, um, like, you have, but, like, so much stuff that can just, like, distract you. And I, I, Oh, I, yeah. I have, like, a massive bootcase in my house. And, I mean, literally we bought the house and there was there's this giant bootcase and we were like, well, we can fill that. That's good. And, but even I, like... I'll be I'll be reading the book. I was reading um we're all completely beside ourselves, like and I was loving it, I was so into it and then I got like halfway through and I just I kind of forgot. Like and it's because like life distracts you, there's so much stuff. It's like it's like the shiny light in front of your eye is constantly there with something else and you kind of want to chuck yourself into that and it's like I'm yeah. a, I'm an activist, like and I think a lot of people are an activist and they're just kind of jump into stuff and don't think about it so writing a book i mean i'll be honest like I, i've tried it and I, I struggle like i struggle like mad and i certainly don't envy the side of having to try and keep someone's attention because i don't think i could even work on that level of thinking how do i keep that person's attention i think i would almost just just literally write for myself and i'm, I'm guessing you probably have a you have an element of that otherwise you wouldn't enjoy it but I think to to write something that would take someone away from like the modern day rigors of like say fucking Facebook or Instagram or some shit, it is a challenge these days. It's not like twenty five thirty years ago where the internet was like fucking for porn. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, some might argue that it still is very much for porn. Oh well, it is but, effectively uh... yes, but that only <laughs> that only distracts me for a good you know twenty seconds or so. So but, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean like you know iPhones are or Samsungs or whatever they are just yeah. like four-inch porn machines to most people <laughs> or Facebook updates and, you know, they just, if yeah. they're copy and paste in porn titles sometimes, you know, they mm-hmm. probably wouldn't that in case they paste it in their Facebook status update by accident. Yeah. I've actually seen that one. Some guy did that and I was like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a sign of the times, man. Um, yeah. To be honest, when it comes to um, trying to keep tension and stuff, I just, I've, I've been, I mean, one of the big things that I find interesting in trying to convey um, image. I, I don't. I mean, uh, that, that, that's what I go for. I mean, I don't know if if, if that's what if people get like a vivid image of things when I write. Mm-hmm. But um, sorry, when they read my writing. But um, I grew up. Obviously, I had, I had quite a lot of books to one side, but on the other side, I had films, just tons and tons of films. And um, my dad, and uh, most of my dad, my mom didn't really know what was going on. But my dad was kind of liberal with letting us watch certain things, you know, probably things that were a bit too mature for me and stuff. Yeah. But, um, I've, I, you know, I've, I've, I'm a bit of an IMDB geek, and this goes back <laughs> to sort of the Facebook um, sort of attention span thing where I'll be watching something with my girlfriend and, you know, well, uh, every 10 seconds I'll be like, because I'll recognize an actor and I'll be like, I know their name, and I'll have to IMDB it. It's like a little weird sort of, almost like autistic sort of thing I've got going on with it. But, um, no, I mean, like, in regards to, I try and write the way that I see films and I try and write things that will interest me. It, I'm not trying to write to, like, technically impress anybody because, um, I, well, I wouldn't know how to do that because everyone wants something different, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I just go with what I, I find interesting or funny or you know, sad or deep or, or whatever, whatever sort of strikes us. Um, 
and I'm constantly getting sort of new ideas just from just from sort of things I, I see every day. You know, I mean, I'm a big public transport. Um, well, I would like to say enthusiast, but I would be lying. Um, <laughs> but I use that to get to and from work, and that's probably where I do the majority of my writing. You know, and uh, I just pick up on things and see things, and it just it all just stays in my head for some reason, and I just feel like it's quite cathartic to to throw it out onto the onto the screen and see what happens. You know. It's funny you mentioned uh, public transport. I um, obviously I've been living in Glasgow for five years or so now, but um, I I always imagine that you know if I still lived back at home, I would be more angry if I wrote about the metro. Oh yeah, because <laughs> that that shit just got worse. I mean, no offense, like Nexus, but come on, like I see you guys complaining about it every day. Like yeah. someone from the northeast back home's like the fucking metro, and I'm like. Wow, that must have got kind of bad well, overnight since I left. Maybe I fucked the whole Nexus system. Well, something something I'm working on at the minute um, actually has a huge dig at the Metro system. It doesn't call it the Metro system for obvious reasons, but um, the character on it refers to the fact that there was hundreds of millions of pounds went into the refurbishment and mm-hmm. you know um, sort of modernisation of everything, and it just made the whole system worse because they didn't know how to deal with it. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's a brilliant uh, Facebook page. Um, Metro apologizes, and it's like satire. <laughs> I think one of the ones was uh, delays. Metro apologizes. There's um, an invasion of jazz wolves at color codes and just stuff like that. <laughs> but, uh, it's pretty funny because like it just takes a piss out of like the really shit excuses they come up with. You know yeah, what I mean? Terrible excuses. Like I, but, I, I never quite understand why. And this is probably to, to people listening in like America or whatnot that the metro system is basically the subway. Um, if, I mean, I'm thinking really highly of myself there. If anyone's listening in America, I'm not too sure that's the case. But I've, I've noticed <laughs> sure, there's been yeah. a few. Well, there's been one or two recently. I noticed there's been one or two recently. And uh, I thought, you know, like, I, I, I'm not very good with my Americanisms. Like, I, I refer to, like, movies as films. So, hey, you know, I'm British at the end of the day, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, that, that fucks a lot of the interviews, I'll be honest. Um, a lot of editing goes into changing the words on that. Um, but, yeah, like, the, the, the Metro, I remember when they built... Simon side, and I never understood that because B is like literally like a fart, a fart of a distance away. Like, <laughs> like what was the point in that? Yeah, and it's uh, I don't know. They're talking about further expansions. Uh, I can't remember where to. Like as far down as like Seaman and stuff. Oh, um, probably happened when I'm you know well in the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that that shit doesn't change. But you know, if if it's an extra. Ten minutes later, it gives us more time to jot some notes down on my phone. And yeah. um, I, I used to do everything shorthand because I got a task this whole like I got a journal gifted as a present, got a nice pen. I was just like, yeah, I'll do the old romantic side of the writing thing. But then just typing everything up became too much of a ball ache, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I started just typing it on my phone, get quick, and then just quick copy and paste, and it's straight, uh, it's formatted in the in the Word document. You know, it's there, so. But, um, it's funny, no, though, isn't it, how, how like, everyday life is, is kind of what... Because I suppose, you know, I, I would class what I do as... as um, oh, I don't really know. It, it's pen to paper. You can call that what you want. But the more I've noticed that people connect a lot more with, like, everyday life. And it's, I think, that comes from poetry. That comes from, like, uh, novels. It comes from... So anything like that. And people really do connect to it. And it's it almost feels, like, mundane that we're talking about the Metro on a podcast. But at the same time, it's that's what people seem to connect with these days. Like, is it what they feel? They want to feel, like, the character. They want it to be them almost sometimes. I've always felt that way. 
Well, yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, like for instance, you know, anyone reading, um, I mean, let's like say in this new in this new piece of work I'm um, I'm scribing, um, if it's uh, if anyone's got any experiences with the subway or you know a similar system. Hopefully that will resonate with them, you know. And I mean, that, that's probably why I put it in, apart from the fact that I had a bit of a free, free chance to have a bitch at it, yeah. um, and make it sort of official once it's released on Kindle. But uh, as long as I, you know, try and try my best to to hide the company name and stuff, then it should be fine. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, that, that's what I try and do. I mean, um, I don't know when we're talking about um, stuff that I've written. The, the, something I'm working on at the moment is more like um, it's my sort of ode to dirty realism. It's sort of taking inspiration from a lot of my favorite writers and i'm just having a bit of a play with the storyline and mm-hmm. making it as um well just making it as true to their form as possible really but with trying my best not to emulate because i obviously i don't want to do that you know um and i find that the observations um really help with that because you can really pick up on you know different aspects of the society we live in and it'll be different for you know every single city throughout the country, you know, I mean, stuff I'll see in the northeast, which I'm putting in there, into this current piece of work, is going to be different to what people see down in London, but, you know, hopefully everyone will have some sort of ability to resonate with it. And it's funny you should, um, you should go on to that, because that brings me on to, like, your, your, your first book, or your first novel, um, and you mentioned, obviously, about, and, and, and I mentioned about how I write, sort of, almost like a character of my own life, and, um, I probably, this is probably going to be a difficult question, but fuck it, I'm going to fire it. So, kind of this, the synopsis, if you prefer, the, the the leading title of exactly what Soup is about, which was your first novel, is James, who's a young man with nothing to lose, jilted by life at every turn, he finds a girl who can make all these dreams come true, but nothing good can last forever. Now, everyone can connect with that, but how much of yourself did you put into that without giving too much away? Um, uh, bits and bobs here and there. I mean, um, there's a few things that inspired me to to try and um, put that down on paper, sort of say. Um, for a little bit of time, um, I helped my mom at um, like a, a food bank slash soup kitchen, and that this was like before I actually um, um, went in for the MA and started writing more and more. And a lot of the things that I saw there, and some of the, I mean, there was a young guy there. I'll not mention any names, but. Um, he was um, quite a successful pharmacist, and um, one day he turned up work, just like most of us have probably done at some point. He'd had a few too many beers, turned up at work the next day, inspectors were in, smelled something on his breath, done, that's it. You know, he didn't have the family to rely on, ended up on the streets, and he you know, told me some stories, which you know, I've, I've, I've probably um, twisted and turned a bit and sort of got to creep in there. But um, to be honest, the, the idea... Um, for the the novel came sort of from that, from my experience working there and also at the university because um, we get quite a lot of uh, homeless people in and around the campus and you get to um, interact with them and you know um, try and find out exactly what they're about and who they are and their backstories and things. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit of myself went into it, you know, um, sort of early um, relationship things, being that age, sort of. Um, going through sort of an age where um, you're young and you're a bit brash and you're a bit, you know, you, you act without thinking sometimes. And, um, yeah, so it just all sort of culminated and it just turned into a, just a narrative, basically. Yeah. Do you find it quite um, therapeutic to kind of 
write about you know elements of yourself but also things that i mean it's a it's a difficult thing to see that the story you've just described is, is difficult and i think anyone with any semblance of um being a human struggles with that and do you find it kind of therapeutic and almost a way to deal with it writing that down and turning it into like a a fictional story well yeah yeah um to be honest it, it, it does i mean like you say it's it's, uh, it's unfortunately it's part of the human condition mm-hmm I say unfortunately, but it's also fortunate because it's what makes us what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the human condition that we have our own, you know, various flaws, and uh, it, it, you know, there's a whole different, different um, type of factors that feed into that. You know, societal background, um, brain chemistry, loads of different things. I'm not going to that, but um, I just find it interesting that um, it's part of the human condition where we're sort of where we're sort of very fallible, we're constantly fallible. And I think um, our species is constantly trying to um, defeat that possibility of being fallible and um, being showing any sort of weakness. And um, that sort of feeds into what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm constantly trying to better myself by getting things that I see or things that annoy me or things that I've experienced just out of my head and on, onto the paper because... You know, sometimes when you leave things in there, they're just they're, they're sort of fester. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's just no point in having them in there, really. And I get them out. You know, um, have a little bit of a rant, so to say, but I try and disguise it, and uh, then it, it's cool. Um, I get I get a bit of a buzz. You know, when I finished a particularly deep piece or a piece that sort of resonates with with me quite a lot, I get quite a bit of a buzz once it's out and it, it's done, and I enjoy it. Did you find that? Um... Because uh, I've tried to write something more novel-esque, if you prefer. And I, I struggle because of my my, um, my attention span, probably, like I was saying before. But obviously, you, you write soup. And then, I mean, I don't know anyone. We, 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 funnily enough, have never actually spoke. But all of our friends are really similar, which is kind of odd. Like, we have, like... Yeah, I think we've been in the same room probably like, you know, close yeah. to a dozen times, but we've yeah. never actually conversed. It's, it's strange, but... Which is which is odd that we we both kind of have... You've released novels and, and I've done sort of books of poetry and, and performed it and whatnot. But I've always... I remember the first time I wrote like a poem I was happy with and it's, it's different to writing a book because going into a book, going into a novel is, is very much... You have to take away your time to write it and, and and not to say that you don't need to do that with poetry but obviously generally poetry is, is shorter or is a short story but do you feel like a level you wrote when you finish soup you write it you're happy with it you're happy with every aspect you put it on amazon you get it available on kindle what how does that change your mindset to the point where you say fuck it i'm doing another one it's going to be better than the last one and this is what i want to do this is what i'm going to identify as as an author how does that change your mindset because I imagine you weren't in that mindset when you were writing soup. You just thought, I'll do this because I need to do it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a huge confidence boost, you know. Like, um, soup was the first novel I ever really sort of put any effort into. And that was closely followed by Abattoir, which was a completely different genre, a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think once I got it out, once once I got that whole book out of my system, so to say, it made me realise that, it, it wasn't actually that as hard as I thought it would be, and mm-hmm. um, I know that that sort of um, old saying that everybody's got a novel in them, which, which I actually do believe if people have the time and uh, they actually want to do it, um, and you know 
like chip away at learning how to write because it's um I think a lot of people um when this, when I when I've had people talk to me about my writing they're like um so you know how how did you come to just be able to do this and I was like well like, I wasn't like my first uh, my early stuff was probably really really poor it's just you keep chipping away you keep reading different things and it, it sort of affects how you write and you learn styles through reading I think that's probably the best way to describe it mm-hmm. but with soup um when it was finished I kind of gave it to my girlfriend she read it she really liked it and um I'm I'm really lucky in the fact that although you know there, there will be some bias there she, she doesn't bullshit if I do something that she doesn't agree with especially with the writing she'll tell me that this doesn't work or this doesn't work and yeah. i'm looking in the fact i haven't got just like you know like a, a super fan in her <laughs> um although, although she is i mean and i really appreciate it i love her for it um she, she's brutally honest with us which i, I think which i think is uh, a good quality to sort of have um but i kind of put that to one side started working on abattoir and i was i just kind of done the same thing just chipped away at it enjoyed it enjoyed sort of discovering different avenues i would rent loads of noir films read noir novels just take loads of inspiration for as much as possible and um then by by the time by, well, by the time i realized um where i wanted to go that it was finished and um i thought actually i'm gonna i'm gonna try and get this published so i went the traditional route originally um which um you know was the romantic idea or my favorite authors obviously back you know in the 20s for Hemingway and in the 60s and whatever you know there was, obviously there was no internet or anything then these guys just have to chip away at it and eventually you know their work got through and um they make it so awkward um agencies and publishing houses to get your work through you know everyone wants a slightly different variation of what you got but i sort of put things together probably applied to 15 different agencies and I got pretty much exactly the same reply. Like, we really like your work. It's well written, it's well thought out. But at the moment, it just doesn't fit with the current market. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, you know, just rejection after rejection after rejection. The first couple were actually quite hard. But then after that, it just sort of became a bit numb to it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just threw that to one side and was like, right, that's done. That's in the drawer with soup. We'll, uh, we'll work on something new. And that's when I, I thought of the idea for He Runs, and um, I just started cracking on with that. And um, it came to like last June, and I just thought... I, I, so I, re- I read an article on Facebook that someone had shared in a, in a writing group on pop about how self-publishing wasn't as hard as everyone made it out to be. So I just sort of done like a day's research, mm-hmm. spent a week editing Abattoir, because um, it had already been read, and uh, my girlfriend had given me the notes, and I changed things, and... Um, I just just went with it, you know. I uh, just uploaded it to Kindle and went from there without a without a cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, pretty amateur. Then I, I found you could use Canva to do your own covers. So oh, I it. love Canva. Canva's the best thing. Like, oh, that that so, sorry, it totally cut you off. But I fucking love no, Canva. Cool. But moving on, <laughs> Canva's great. If if Canva are listening, if they want to endorse endorse the podcast or something and make me. <laughs> A nice cover. Not that I've used your website already, but yeah, the the podcast is uh, the the cover. Every cover is done on uh, fucking Canva. Every gig poster is Canva. Canva's great. Canva is amazing. Like I've I've done loads of like um, you call them memes or like little quote yeah. quotations with with sort of um, backgrounds and stuff. I've done quite a lot on there, and uh, yeah, it's really resourceful. Really good uh, software, online software. So was the cover for Abattoir done on Canva? 
not not the new not the current one. I paid for that one, but oh, the previous like that one. one. Um, the previous one is um, you probably still find it on Goodreads because for some reason it, when I updated it, it did not automatically update. So I've, I've still got to chase that up to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, um, but um, yeah, I've, I've played around with different covers. He runs had a cover from Canva to begin with. Then a friend of a friend put me in touch with someone that does graphic design. So. Um, they designed me a cover for He Runs, and I've kept the same for the, the three parts. And they've also done me a one for my, my current piece, which will be uh, which will be put on that as well. So, yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, I just found that you know maybe maybe I didn't give the actual you know traditional route enough of a chance. I kind of had three months to send and stuff out, getting replies. But at the same time, I think I was kind of deep down. I was I was desperate just to keep on writing, and I found that sort of um, focusing on my attention on getting my work out was taking up the time that I could have been writing. Mm-hmm. So I just threw that at one side and I say cracked on and um yeah, it's that, I, I quite I find it quite it's quite easy um just to just to put the stuff up there. Um the marketing is is, is fairly straightforward. I'll do it as best as I can. Um it's just just a, a, I'm still learning in the whole process, you know, and I think that makes it that makes it a bit more fun. Yeah, it does. Um, it totally does. Like I, I, I have the label that I try to do, and I, I try to put everything under the, the label of it. The podcast is under the label of it because, uh, yeah, you've got to ch- chuck shit everywhere, pretty much. But it, it does make it fun. Like there's a there's an element of like y- your own in your own kingdom, basically, um, and it's it's your. It's your say so, and I think one thing I was going to ask do you: th- Do you think the world has changed kind of all over because of social media, not just with with books, but I mean, I, when we were growing up, there was bands like I remember Enish Shikari were the first band that had their own fucking record label, and I was just like, "What the fuck? Like, how can you have your own record label and be yeah. successful?" But it's just commonplace now. It's commonplace. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um... I don't, I, the world, um, to be honest, has evolved um, quicker in the last twenty years than it has done in the last four billion years. If you if you look at the things that have been accomplished, yeah, um, the whole system of human communications changed, and it's now changed forever. Um, got the point. I was having a conversation with my parents today, and um, they were saying that they were a bit reticent to um, download certain apps on their phone because they've got to share the contacts and things like this. And, mm-hmm. and it gets back to, I mean, that, you know, they've come from a generation that isn't used to that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just like, yeah, cool, share, 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 without any real thought about it. And yeah. um, I just think, you know, there's, 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 there's pros and cons to it, um, that like, like anything. Um, and I think social media is making people... Um, less able to communicate person to person. Mm-hmm. I think it's um I think there's a lot of negative aspects that come from, you know, things like bullying and um things getting leaked and people I find a lot of people have quite a strong voice um via Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, maybe it gives them the platform to have an opinion, which is good. But it also I think it also promotes a lot of um and false bravado, if you know what I mean. Oh yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I think like, people are different on on. Not everyone. There's a lot of people who are really cool, but um, yeah, false bravado is a good way to put it. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, I, obviously, I, I use Facebook for you know lots of personal things for trying to promote myself as an author. That's linked to Twitter. I haven't my. I'm trying to keep my Instagram just for me. 
Um, but, you know, I've, I've got things. I've got, I've got social media um, connections everywhere. So I'm not one to turn around and say it's uh, it's not good. Or I'm a romantic of the old school of communication because, you know, deep down I am. But I'm also a realist in the fact that I know this is now what um, is needed to communicate because that's it's just the way that technologies went. And like I say, there's, there's quite a lot of positives that come with it. Um, I mean, um, I had a I had a write up in the Sunland Echo recently, which uh, I, that, I believe yeah. you read. Yeah, it was it was really nice. A friend of uh, a friend um, sort of put me in that position of being able to do that, and I'm, I'm forever grateful for it. And one thing I actually thought when because uh, it was it was Good Friday it came out, and I went back to my mum's for my like uh, traditional fish supper, and <laughs> um, I was just my dad had bought a copy, and he was like, you know, he's like read that and stuff. And I was looking through it, and it just struck us. I was like, you know, and, and this, 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 this isn't me trying to sound, you know, like elitist or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is that a lot of people now who actually buy the Echo, who still still buy a paper, might not really be into Kindle. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So, so my write-up, although it was online, and I could share it that way, um, I just thought, you know, the main thing, because I was quite proud because it was a hard copy, and I'm still very much a hard copy person. Um, I, I do much prefer the feel of a book to obviously a tablet, um, and I think quite a lot of people still do. Yeah. Um, I, it just it just struck us when I was reading the article. I was like, yeah, the majority of people are reading this. I might not own a Kindle. I'll probably have no interest in owning a Kindle. So, I'm I'm probably going to have to get my uh, a lot of my stuff via you know CreateSpace or or whatever whatever comes in the future in the you know some sort of hard copy, but. Um, and Sunderland, no. Sunderland as a city is still like that, and it's there's an element of, um, and this is going to go into a, like a, a horrible rivalry if anyone's listening, but it's fine. But there was always an element of when I went back to Sunderland, I felt like I was in like I was home. Kind of when I went to Newcastle, I went there for enjoyment. There was kind of something homely about Sunderland, and like there was something homely about when I went back to see my nan who who died a few years ago, bless her. Um, I'd go see my nan, and it would be like. Uh, her thing was go and get the the afternoon edition of the Echo, and it was everything. Yeah, yeah. Like she needed that afternoon edition, and I think there's a lot of people in Sunderland that are like that. And there's negatives to that, pros and cons. There's people in Sunderland who are stuck in the ways, but there's also people in Sunderland who will still have like a pride in seeing a Sunderland writer in their Sunderland Echo, and they'll they'll go and read that, and they'll buy the hard copy and. They may even you may even get people who who want to buy the Sunderland Echo and go into Kindle as well, and I think there's there's something to be said about the northeast all over in a sense, especially in Sunderland where we kind of back our own. So being in like a yeah. the Sunderland Echo is it's it might be small to some people, but it's it's pretty huge for the kind of audience that can give you, and it definitely I would imagine would make you feel like you're on the the path that you took before you started writing Soup was definitely the right direction to take. Yeah, 100%, man. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I mean, I went and bought a, a copy, too, um, on Good Friday. I, I got, like, the last copy in the shop at, like, 5 o'clock in the evening. Sure. And um, it, I think it's still in the car boot, actually. But um, <laughs> I've, I've ordered the frame. And, like, to be honest, uh, it, it, it's it's sort of putting humility to one side for a bit. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of that. And to be honest, like, regardless of where I go in the future, you know, either, you know, financially or um, if there's any notoriety or anything like that, I think that would be like one of the proudest achievements because, like you said, there's, there's a massive home vibe of Sunland. And every time I go back, I know like I could walk into a pub with any of the lads I went to school with, 
and there'd be no awkwardness. It would just be like, how you doing, mate? Haven't seen you for ages. Come here, we'll have a beer. What's happening? Yeah. Um, I think that's very much... I think it's also... It does not just Sunderland. I think that spans the whole northeast. you know? And I'm, I, I, try to, I try to convey that message in my... Um, in, in, in the sort of um, piece they asked me to write for the Echo Henry. You know, we, I, we are a friendly bunch up here, like majority yeah, of the yeah. when, when we haven't got too much beer in us and the sort of Nordic <laughs> Celtic roots come out and we have to you know, fight for honour. Yeah. Up until that point, we're like each other's best mate most of the time. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, that, that gap even gets bridged when, I mean, I, I work in Newcastle, I work with a lot of guys over Geordie's, a lot of Newcastle fans. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a Southern fan, but part-time yeah, football fan. Um, but, you know, the band is there, but the respect's still there. We all, we all get on, you know, we're all friendly. There's no actual, like, animosity. In, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. A lot of people say to me, like, oh, you, like, you hate each other. And I'm like, I don't, I'm something through and through. Like, I'm a proper something boy. Um, still a season ticket holder. And, like, I, I, I love the club. But when it comes to... There is a hatred there. Like, I love beating them. I love being better at them than stuff. But it's not like in Glasgow where there's... And I'm painting a, I'm painting a very, I'm painting a picture of everyone here, which is probably not fair. But I mean, we've just had two old firms up here, and the hatred is fucking insane. Like they don't even speak. And that's a, I mean that that's a, I mean I mean I'm I'm speaking kind of out of sorry, sorry to interrupt by the way. No, it's fine. I'm speaking kind of out of my depths of knowledge, but from what I'm led to believe, it, obviously the origins in that is. Um, based oh, on religion, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fucking it's it's deep rooted. Uh, it's yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty deep rooted, man. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, not everyone's the same. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people in Glasgow that don't feel that way, and um, I'm, I'm kind of struggling to think the point I'm trying to make here. But there isn't an element of Sunland where, like Sunland and Newcastle, if if something goes to shit, we as much as we have that rival, we do kind of band together and, and stick together, and I think. Um, there's an element of almost you you can't be famous in the northeast because someone will bring you down a peg like you can't be you have to remain humble with everything because if you go in there with you know a bit of bravado that you think you're that the dog's bollocks it's going to be brought down because at the end of the day everyone classes you as what you are and that's a human being and there's something very grounding about the northeast and that that I kind of miss yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, I think it probably comes down to working class backgrounds, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, one thing I, I forgot to mention before is um, when we we're talking about when I was in school, um, because of uh, you can probably tell by the way I talk sometimes and when I get into things. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a kid, um, it was it wasn't diagnosed or anything because I don't think there was any real knowledge of it. But my parents thought I had a very active mind, but to the point where if I was given something to do, I would do it just to get out of the way so I could do something else. Mm-hmm. And as a result, instead of, um, well, they tried me in nursery and things, and then as a result, I didn't really do very well because I kind of found that I could act myself because there were that many kids around. I could just sort of fit in, and I didn't really get any attention. Yeah. Um, sort of attention as in, like, controlled attention. Mm-hmm. So they put me in a private school from an early age, and um, just because the class sizes were small and I'd get that sort of um, supervision that was needed. And uh, I never actually left, you know. But I, I, private school carries quite a lot of, you know, notoriety with it, especially uh, in the northeast. But, it, you know, I mean, a private school in Sunderland to me wasn't, wasn't like a private school down south. It mm-hmm. was like just probably like not far shy of a regular school, apart from the fact that we had different coloured blazers and we used to get the shit kicked out of us by the <laughs> down the road. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that was kind of like, I mean, I went from there to San Diego sixth form. And, you know, as soon as we went in, it was kind of like joking, like externals, people that hold their hands up with an X, you know, like uh, DX from WWE. Yeah. yeah. It was like banter, but, you know, they, they took you on board for what you were. And, you know, I, I've, I quickly found out that I couldn't be snarky or a dick or, you know, I couldn't sort of, step out of my league because people had just put a straight back in it and it was a good lesson to learn you know yeah and i think that's the same everywhere i mean i mean my parents put me in a private school you know my dad worked down the, the coal mines seven days a week for a long time you know they came from humble working class backgrounds and they've instilled in me that sort of you can just um you can challenge someone if you think they're out of out of order but you know in, in the way that we kind of do it and i guess if you're not from there you people might not know what we're talking about yeah but there's a, there's a way that we do challenge each other, and it's not like you know throwing down the gauntlet. It's kind of just like it, it just comes with banter. It comes with like a bit of, bit of giving someone a bit of jip, and you know they kind of wind their necks in, and then it's like that, a mutual respect thing almost. Yeah, of, yeah. You respect someone enough to kind of call them out on it, and then there's very few fights in something, but there's many discussions. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Find. I, I I don't I don't it's. It's rough in parts, and I mean, you can go to a certain parts. I mean, I, I was brought up in the squares in Southwick, so... Right, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, um, I, I know I know quite well. Yeah, I was, I was kind of dragged up, but at the same time, I very rarely saw fights, so everyone had a chip on the shoulder, but it was almost yeah, yeah. like a everyone kind of weirdly has a mutual respect, and when I still go back, like, my mum lives in South Shields, and I stay with my mum, my dad lives in Fort Will Road, and... Um, there's still like a mutual respect about it. Like me and my dad call each other out all the time, like about all sorts of stuff. Because my dad's like a a unionist, a loyalist, and I'm the fucking polar opposite. And we're like we always call <laughs> each other out on stuff. So it's it's fun. But I mean, um, de- deviating away um, ever so slightly. One thing I, I did want to ask to kind of not to wrap up because I've got a few more things I want to ask. But you've obviously talked about your your books, he runs part one, part two, and you're hoping to do a part three. But you mentioned obviously something new as well. Future-wise, what do you see yourself doing next? Obviously, a novel, but what 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 challenges do you want to give to yourself in the coming years? Um, it, it's funny to say that because um, in the last sort of week or so, I've come up with three. Well, I've come up with like ten different ideas, three of which uh, I actually think are, are doable and uh, would work. Um, so I, I, I've, I've constantly got almost a factory line of things that I want to do. Um, but I, I'm at this stage now where I think I need to not rattle through things. So obviously I don't want to just like throw stuff out and it not be decent quality, but I need to pick up the, the pace again and, you know, really, really go at it so I can move on to the next thing. And it's not sort of, um, you know, it hasn't sort of rotted away in the back of my mind. These, I mean, I, I kind of jot everything down. Um, I, I do have an idea coming up that I'm really excited about, actually. It's probably, mm-hmm. like, um, after he runs part three, um, I think that'll be the, the next piece. And um, it's, I mean, do you, do you want me to talk about the, the premise of the the story? Or... Yeah, if you feel comfortable doing it, of course. Yeah. If, if you don't, it, you don't, but go for it. it, it it's really rough at the minute, but, um, you know, I've, I've been doing quite a lot of research via podcasts, via um, Google, you know, usual Google suspects, mm-hmm. into um, different things to do with, um, you know, the transcension of the mind via drugs and different things. Yeah. Um, because they're obviously um, experiencing quite a lot of 
um, side effects too, like MDMA is really good for post-traumatic stress, things like that. And I found it really interesting. And um, do you, I mean, do you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast at all? Yes, um, I started listening to that when he interviewed uh, Henry Rollins because um, yeah, it's Henry fucking Rollins. So uh, yeah, but there's hundred and fifty thousand dollar speakers and yeah, all that crazy shit. Yeah, I mean that that was a fun podcast. Um, but it just I mean Joe Rogan's you know a huge um, well he he, he talks about um drug use in a way that's positive and I think that um, there's a stigma attached to it in this country it's not something that I particularly do but I think there's I've done a lot of research I think there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot in there yeah. that people can take from and you know it, 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 it's a medicinal plant you know well, it, well all of them are medicinal plants regardless of which drug you're talking about but mm-hmm. getting back to the original aspect of the story I thought it would be interesting to write about um, a collective transcension of um, people's minds. So I thought of an idea where you could put maybe, you know, eight characters with maybe a couple of protagonists and antagonists and um, maybe stick them in some sort of mental health institute and they all become part of this um, sort of collective experiment where they're given, you know, drug A or whatever, I'll come up with the name, um, and they all sort of go into um, a community and the after exist, and it's the, it's the idea of this drug is to take them past the um, mental um, ailments, if you want to call it that, yeah. that they've had in the past, so they can all learn in this transcended and um, collective um, sort of world how to coexist. But I thought it'd be interesting to throw the fact that regardless of how much you try and control that, human nature eventually will still poke through. And I kind of got an inspiration from. Um, David Foster Wallace's book, mm-hmm. um, Infinite Jest. Have you ever read that? Or no. it's a it's a weirdy piece. It's like over a thousand pages, Oops. and uh, it's um, it's about like crack addicts and it's loads of stuff. But it, it's kind of a similar sort of thing. But actually, I, I don't like to emulate. I've just kind of got the the bump to do it from that, knowing that that has been done and that can mm-hmm. be done again. I mean, you know what I come up with will massively pale in comparison to the masterpiece that he wrote. But I find it um, to be quite an interesting premise that, um, I mean, I see, it, I see it day in and day out, you know. I mean, this in, in the workplace, in any workplace, in, in sort of, uh, in, you know, this civilised society that we call it. Um, human instincts now is just thrown to one side. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of ignored. And if you adhere to your own instincts, you kind of, sort of labelled as an outsider and I kind of like the idea that that constantly tries to break through so that, that was just an idea for like the, the piece that I'm I'm really quite interested in but I'm working on something now which I said was like a passion project and uh, it's only going to be a novella I've probably got about another 10,000 words to write so it should be out by June hopefully um, just a bit of fun really so Good. yeah awesome man like it sounds like a really good premise i'll be honest i like stuff like that like i uh generation x was one of the first things i picked up and although i'm not a, a fan of drugs yet i don't think i go to berlin a lot so i'm, I'm maybe getting into that scene but um i'm i find it quite interesting like I, I think that is something that people would grab onto quite quickly especially of our generation but yeah man i think that would be good now one thing obviously i always like to to end on it's the same question i ask all my guests like every time and um it's a couple of things that i wanted to ask so 
if you were to speak to a stranger, if someone if someone said, right, okay, oh, now I want to read two pieces of your work. I can only read two pieces and that's it. And it can be something you've released, something you've not released. What would there be and why? And secondly, when you finish giving me the answer to that, where can people find your books? Right. Um, to be honest, I would probably say look at Soup to begin with and then go on to either the first or second part, probably the second part of He Runs, if not the current piece, just to see the difference in um, in sort of the, the way I've been writing. Because, like I said, um, I've had quite a few people approach us and said, you know, I, I really want to write, I've got these ideas, but I, I just can't seem to do it. And that that was me one day, you know, like, I mean, maybe it does come easier for some people than others, you know, it, a lot of things do in different ways. But I found, you know, I, I just kind of kept slogging, just kept just writing stuff, rewriting stuff. And it's just, especially for people who are actually interested in writing and interested in putting what they find interesting down on the paper, you know, the the, um, the sort of, well, we'll call it the screen, Um they can see there's you know quite a quite a difference in that. So I, I would say that for that reason, to be honest. But apart from that, um, just I'm, I'm starting a micro blog now. I've been told, uh, well, I'm told, like advised, kind of told that um, I should start um, developing quite a lot of content for um, the, my webpage, uh, Um So I'm, I'm doing that. Just a few like you know 150 word rants. So uh, if you want my insight and in um politics and you know um on online facebook politicians um have a look at stuff like that yeah cool. and, you know people might be able to resonate they might not they might think it's uh just a rant but I, I, I think that's the point of it you know yeah of course it's it's there for people much like books and any work of art is there for people to make their own opinions and hopefully for the person creating it they, they like so i'll be right in saying you can get abattoir on paperback and also yes Abattoir is available through um you can buy it through amazon um in kindle or paperback format the for, the paperback format is automatically linked to create space which is another um kindle um well, sorry i think it's another amazon um company um i will venture i actually do need a new cover for soup that that, that one is actually still canva so um although canva is great my artistic ability in that respect is utterly shit so, um, don't be dissing Canva, man. <laughs> no, Canva is brilliant. But <laughs> it's, it, it, it's absolutely my uh, abilities is uh, is the thing that's lacking. But um, I'm going to try and get soup up there. Um, I'm, I'm waiting until he runs is completed so I can get the whole book up there. And I think um, the nights and available will be on Create Space too. But like I said everything's through Amazon. Um, yeah, just, just search my name, Owen Seth. Hopefully it'll come up. <laughs> if it cool, doesn't, man. it's something that <laughs> No, it does. Trust me, it does. I tried it. It does. Um, cool. cool. Awesome. Did you have fun? Yeah, man, it's been really fun. Um, good. It's good. Just, I do, I've got a thing where I just go off on sort of tangents. No, that's what I want. Trust me. I, I, I digress totally all the time. Um, it's good. It's just the way, just where my brain works. That's what we want here. Trust me. We want people to digress and venture off into a different world. Cool, but... Um, thanks very much, Owen. Really appreciate, obviously, the time you've taken today uh, to chat to me and stuff like that. And I hope and wish you all all the success in the world, mate. No, thank you, man. And um, just want to say thank you very much for um, inviting us to be on here. It's really nice to have that sort of um, inviting interest in the things that I'm doing. 
And um, I never mentioned earlier, but I've listened to a few of your pieces on YouTube, and I really like them. They're really, oh, re- really interesting, man. Thanks, man. Thanks. That's the, the I think the first person that's maybe ever said that. And I'll I think I'll end it on that note because that sounds really fucking rad, right? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope you didn't mind me ending on uh, that little bit of uh, self-infestation. <laughs> um, but it's nice to have a bit of uh, feedback on my own stuff from an actual writer. But yeah, how did you enjoy that? A little bit different. I really hope uh, you found it was different to the other ones and enjoyed it just as much if you've enjoyed the previous ones. Um, not much to add to it, really, apart from please continue to subscribe, please continue to listen, and most importantly, just have a chat with me on Facebook and, and Twitter via the official pages. Um, I'm doing this not for myself. I'm doing it because I want to showcase the stories of creatives. And I'm doing it most importantly for the people who want to hear those stories. Um, me and, and myself being one of them in that case. Um, but also other people as well. So please continue to, to support um, the podcast if you can. And, and let me know how you find in each episode. We'll have a second episode um a second episode no we won't have a second episode what i mean is we'll have the ninth episode i meant the next episode um in two weeks time on monday as always 10 o'clock uh p.m apart from if soundcloud messes up uh which has happened once or twice as you'll probably know and we're going to be speaking to former funeral for a friend frontman matthew davies cryer which is actually a wicked conversation, a really, really good one for myself, but I'll leave that to uh, to the excitement and anticipation of yourself. Hopefully speak soon, and keep well. <laughs>